Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles and let's go to Genesis chapter number 2 as we continue our journey through uh, the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. And uh, so we're going to read together uh, from verse 4 through verse 25 of Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse number 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It uh, flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. The bellium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gahan. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From every tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky. And brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature... That was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the truth that it contains. Father, understanding and knowing that it is all sufficient for us today. 
is just as relevant for us today as it was the day that it was written. And so, Father, I pray this morning that as we study your word together, that we would be able to draw from it, Father, the truths that you would have us to see, to take and apply to our lives each and every day, to be what you would have us to be. So, Father, bless this time together this morning, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I want you to notice something interesting as you come to Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse number 4. We find a reference to the name of God that is different than what we find in chapter number 1. All throughout chapter number 1, you find that every place that you find the name of God, it is simply God, G-O-D, Elohim in Hebrew. And so as we make our way into chapter number 2 and verse number 4, you're going to notice a change in how God is referred to. Because now as we come to chapter 2 and verse number 4, we now see that he is no longer referred to as just Elohim, but now he is referred to with the proper name, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, in verse number 4 that speaks of Yahweh or the covenant-making Yahweh. So we move from the sovereign creator in chapter number 1 over to the covenant-making Yahweh as we come to chapter number 2. And I don't know if you noticed as I read through chapter number 2, you will find God referred to in that manner as Lord God in each case where we saw the name of God. And so it's interesting when you look at that and consider the magnitude of this. And this is the first place also in Scripture where the proper name Lord or Yahweh occurs. And it is placed together with the name God or Elohim. And it's significant because I will also say this to you this morning. Chapter number 2 is the first place that we're going to find the first command that is given to man. And so as we consider all of that and we look at the magnitude of that, chapter number 2 as it opens up and as it begins to make its way through, now with the creation of man and all that is going to transpire around the creation of man. Also something else that's going to be brought into light in chapter number 2 is this subject called work. How many of y'all just love getting up every day and going to work? Did you know work's a good thing? Huh? How many of y'all are retired? How many of y'all don't care about work anymore? You spent your time. Look at all of those hands. Okay. Sure, there's a bunch of them. But work's not a bad thing. Okay? Matter of fact, work is a good thing. That was something that was given by God himself. And so in the day that work was given, it was a good thing. But of course, things changed as we make our way through. There are three things that I want to share with you out of chapter number 2. Basically, we're going to go from verse 4 all the way through to verse 17 this morning. But there are three things that I want to share with you this morning. Number one, man was created, he did not evolve. Man was created, he did not evolve. When you look at verse 4, this is the account of the heavens and the earth. When they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. And we see that there was no shrub, no plant in the field. God hadn't sent rain on the earth. But we drop down to verse number 7 and notice what we find. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. 
and man became a living soul. You know, it's interesting when you think about that, the work of the Lord in creating man involved the forming from the dust of the ground and in breathing. It's what sets man apart from all of the rest of creation. Because once God formed man from the dust of the ground, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. It sets man apart from all of the rest of creation as the crowning aspect of the creation of God himself. It's interesting when you look at the word formed in verse number 7. Because the word formed in verse number 7 comes from a Hebrew word that speaks of an artist or a potter. And so God in his, in just all of who he is, formed man as an artist, as a potter, very meticulously, like a potter shaping a vessel from clay, God formed man. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been doing a little bit of research this week. I did not know that 99% of the human body is made up of only six different elements. And I think it's carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, there's a P. Phosphorus? And there's an S, I think. What's number six? Come on, some of y'all know. What did you say? Ninety-nine percent of the human body is made up of elements from the earth itself. Understanding the significance of that, when you look at the magnitude of the creation of man and the forming of man from the eyeball to the amount of vascular channels that run through the human body to the lungs to all of the organs of the human body just the way your hands operate I mean you don't even think when you go to move your fingers or you go to move your hands you don't you don't even think about it when you do it you just do it and matter of fact when you look at the human eyeball and the way that God formed the human eyeball actually through all of its steps for you to see an image and immediately get it to where you can see it upright the way that it should be and the color that it should be, your eyeball goes through a series of steps to get it there. It's amazing. It's the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen in my life. No wonder the psalmist in Psalm 139 and verse 14 said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We are. We're made in his image. We're image bearers of God himself. Formed by God as a potter would take clay and form that clay. Make us into what we are today. It's an, amazing, it's an amazing thing. But also, let me share this with you. Man was made by divine plan. It was not some afterthought with God. It was not some, it was not some decision that he all of a sudden he makes this and he says, you know what, it'd be nice to, to set a man here. As a matter of fact, some afterthought that it would be nice to, to place animals here or to place a woman here. It was by divine plan by God himself to form and to create the earth as we know it today and to be able to enjoy all of the things that the earth has for us to enjoy today. But we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And here's the other thing about it. He knows every inch of us. Matter of fact, here's what the scripture says. He knows our frame. Let me tell you why he knows our frame. He created it. He made it. That's who we are. 
And so all of those wonderful things that God created us with, when we consider the creation itself with a will and with a personality and with a choice and with all of those things that mankind is created with, we were made from the earth. Have you ever wondered sometimes if you've ever been to a funeral, you've been to a graveside and you often hear these words, we come now to the point where we bring back and give back to the earth that which this one came from. Well, let me tell you why. There's a biblical reason behind that, because we're earthy. We're created from the earth. And so therefore, in the divine plan of God, I've often wondered about this portion of it, though, as I've read and studied just the magnitude of thinking about that. God breathing the breath of life into man transformed his form into a living soul. The very breath of God himself. And are you ready for this? It's God who gives life, and it's God who takes life. Why? It's because of who he is. And so the magnitude of, listen, we're, we're not evolved. At least I'll put it to you this way, okay? My ancestor's not a monkey. And I'll just be as straightforward with you as I can be. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, fashioned by him in the garden, originally and initially by God himself, formed from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I know where I came from. And are you ready for this? Not only do I know where I came from, but I also know where I'm going at the end of the day. Because the very one who created man is the very one I'm going to see more. What a privilege that is. You consider the magnitude of that. For us, the creator of all that there is, is concerned enough about little old me and all the details of my life. Now let me tell you what happened when God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Guess what else happened at that point? Man became a spiritual being with a capacity for serving and fellowshipping with God. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Adam in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day? In the fellowship that Adam and God experienced in the Garden of Eden. Can you imagine what the Garden of Eden must have been like or what it must have, uh, must have looked like? God placed him in the Garden God placed him in the garden as this created being with the capacity for serving and fellowshipping with God. And then at the end of the day, mankind was placed in a perfect setting. Perfect. No aches, no pains, no discomforts, no abnormalities, no extreme temperatures. Just everything was in a perfect setting. Because that's the way God created it. So man is created. Man did not evolve. Number two this morning. This is the part that I want you to really take a hold of. Man was created to serve. Man was created to serve. I want you to notice with me verse 15 of Genesis chapter number 2. Then the Lord God took the man, put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. 
You see, man's purpose is to provide service. He was put in the garden. That word put, the Hebrew word there is numbaset, and it means to rest. So he was placed there in the garden. He was put there by God in the garden to cultivate it. The Hebrew word there for cultivate is abad. And here's what it means. It means to serve. So he was placed there in the Garden of Eden in a place of rest to serve God himself by cultivating that garden that was placed there, that he was placed into. And so we see that man was created to serve. So is it any wonder today that we have this desire in our hearts to serve? Man was placed in the Garden of Eden to take care of it. In other words, the work that he would be associated with would be the cultivating and the keeping and the helping and serving in this garden that God placed there for him. Now I'll say this, all of the animals were perfectly peaceful. All of the animals that were in the garden, okay, none of them were cantankerous. All of them did exactly what they were supposed to do. It was a perfect environment. Why? Because God made it that way. And as we consider this, you know, whatever work he did was described as his service to God. I can imagine being over all of this garden to be able to cultivate it and to keep it the beauty that must have been seen in the Garden of Eden. You know, I'm mesmerized today even by the beauty of the things that we see in the creation of all of the earth that we get to to see every day. Matter of fact, the psalmist in Psalm 19, no wonder the psalmist says, even the heavens and the earth declare the very glory of God. The heavens declare His glory. Firmament is handiwork. I mean, it's just, it all speaks to God as the creator of all that there is. And for man to, to consider us, I, I, you know, some, some of y'all are going to think I'm kind of weird here. Okay. But that's okay. Won't be the first time. Won't be the last time. Matter of fact, I've taken my hand and just have noticed just sometimes my hand, the intricacies of being able to, to move your fingers without really even thinking about it and to be able to do things such as that, okay? To be able to keep your hand completely steady, to move it any direction that you want to, it's amazing to me that God informing and creating man made, you know, some of, the, some of y'all that are here that are in the medical field, I, I know you must see things all the time that just absolutely blow your mind about the human body. Let me tell you something. As a created being, created to serve God, created not evolved in our service to God. And let me say this to you this morning. Work is not a curse. It's not, really. So what is work? Let me share with you this morning what this work is. It's a privilege to use our abilities and opportunities cooperating together with God and being faithful stewards of his creation. I hate to say this, but just as Adam was placed in the garden to cultivate it and to be a steward of it, let me just say this, let me bring it home to you today. We still have the responsibility to be stewards over God's creation. 
So the question is, are we doing that today? Are we being good stewards of his creation today? It didn't change. That's why we're here. We're here to serve him. We're here to cultivate. We're here to take care of the very creation that God placed us in. And so so as a result of him placing us here, are we being good stewards of what God has placed us here and God's called us to do? That's the question. So what spoiled the relationship then in this issue of work? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know about you, but work can be laborsome. It can be toiling. It can be sweating. It could be just downright, you just don't want to get up and go anymore. So what caused that? It was sin that spoiled the relationship between man and his environment. Making work, this laboring chore that became a requirement for mere existence. And how many do you hear today, they're working every hour they can to just to try to carve out a mere existence. It's not the way God intended it to be. God placed man in a perfect setting, in a perfect place to cultivate and to take care of and in a place of rest and in a place that God placed him that was perfect. And sin is what broke that and spoiled that relationship. You see, God prepared mankind with a very specific design and gave them the capacity for moral responsibility. We have a moral responsibility as well. You ready for this? God created us with a choice to choose and to choose which path that we're going to take in life. And sometimes choices, okay, how many of y'all just sometimes wish that you wouldn't have so many choices of things? Let me tell you, here's my problem, okay, I tend to be kind of a raw phlegmatic. One of the worst things you can do is get a bunch of phlegmatics together in a parking lot to decide where you're going to go eat lunch. Let me tell you why. You know what they do? They all stand in the parking lot, and here's what they say. So where do you want to go to lunch? Well, it don't matter to me. Where do you want to go? It don't matter to me. Where do you want to go? There's too many choices. You you got too many choices here for me. Why don't you just narrow this thing? How many of you sometimes you just wish things would be there? Just give me one or two choices. Not 25. You know, sometimes I go into a restaurant and you take a menu and you look at a menu and it's got 35 choices on it, okay? What in the world do you do with 35 choices? So man has a choice as well to choose. That's number three. Man was created with a choice. Let's look at verse 16 and verse 17. Lord God commanded the man, saying, from, every, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. That's what God said. You see, God's first command to man concerned life and death, good and evil. You ever notice that? Concern life and death and good and evil. He placed them in a garden, issued a command and warning 
that before them was life and death. Ready for this? Depending on whether or not they obeyed the commandment or not. And are you ready for this? Guess what he did? He placed them there and he gave man that choice. He said, you can eat of any tree in the garden with the exception of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. It's the warning. But back up in verse 16, you see the command from God. Commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But if you eat of this one, you're surely going to die. A commandment and a warning from God to man based upon the choice that man was going to make. You know, the Hebrew wording in chapter or in chapter 2, verse 16 and verse 17 states the command basically in strong terms to this magnitude. Man could eat freely from all the other fruit, but if he ate from the forbidden tree, he will die. That's pretty intense. That's coming from God himself to man. Created man, placed him in a perfect place, placed him in this garden, gave him a will and a choice, placed him there, and said, you can eat of everything else in this garden. But this one. You see, because, because of God's goodness and mercy, he informs the man that the consequence of disobedience and death. And let me tell you what you see there. You see God's mercy and you see his goodness. And you see his love for this created human that he placed in the garden. And God's concern over him when he placed him there. And so the magnitude of, of, of what happens in verse 16 and verse 17 for us ought to just create inside of us this, you know, what about where we are today? What about where we are in our lives today? Let me tell you what's at stake here. What's at stake is whether he will choose to trust God's words or not. That's what is at stake in verse 16 and verse 17. Is this man that God created and placed in this perfect place with a choice and a will, what's he going to choose? And I will say this, God already knew what he was going to choose. It's called the omniscience of God himself. He knew what he was going to choose. He still had a choice. Choices sometimes for us in our lives today, and let me say this this morning, choice always comes with a consequence, sometimes negative, sometimes positive. But choice always comes with a consequence. And so for us as believers today, as we make choices and we make decisions, rest assured that every one that you make will have a consequence, some positive, some negative. So how do you weigh them? I mean, how do, you, how do you determine when you make choices or decisions? Well, hopefully you make them based off the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. In you. And before you make a choice, you carefully consider the choice. You carefully consider what it is that you're getting ready to choose from. 
Same holds true for us today. It's no different than when Adam was placed into the Garden of Eden. Because I will say this to you, what happened in the Garden of Eden, we're warned about by John himself in 1 John chapter number 2. Because what happened in the Garden of Eden, they saw this fruit. They saw this tree. And they saw that it looked good and it could bring and make one wise. And so it went through all of these series of steps right down to the pride of life. Matter of fact, John writes about this in 1 John chapter number 2. Nothing has changed today. We're confronted with choices in our life every single day. And every one of them, we need to pay particular attention to them as we watch the choice that is before us. Because sometimes the temptation, just as we find in Genesis chapter 3, that tree was there. And are you ready for this? Adam had already heard the command of God. And the command of God was one of life and death, of good and evil. And what did man do? Man still decided to choose. And he made the choice. And here's what man did. Took of the fruit that God commanded them not to eat of. But how many times today do we? The choice comes. We've seen it. We know that the choice We know that there are only two choices. It's either to go or not to go. It's either to accept or not to accept. It's either to say yes or to say no. And I will say this with God this morning, it's either yes or no. There's no middle ground here. With Jesus Christ, it's either yes or no. There's no middle ground here. So the choice is ours. And what will we do? The same holds true today for us. What is at stake? Today, for all of us in this building, is whether we will choose to trust God's word or not. That's our choice. Will we follow him and trust him or not? Will we obey what his commands are in his word or not? Will we seek to walk and to be an image bearer of the way that God created us to be or we will not? You see, the choice is there. For man, it was the choice between life and death, good and evil. And we'll get into it as we get into chapter number 3. And all of those those things that came as a result of the sin that took place and transpired in the Garden of Eden. But let's put it on pause right here for just a moment. Man was created, placed in the Garden of Eden in a perfect place, in a perfect setting. With the first command from God that had a warning that came with it of life and death or good and evil. So you ready for this? Man could see the tree. He could see it. So for us today, we can see it. And you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Here it comes. You've got all of it. The question is, will we choose to abide by it or not? Created man, we haven't even got to the point where he created a woman yet. Oh, by the way, all you guys, you know you got one less rib than a woman has. Just joking, okay. (laughs) Created woman. We'll look at that. But this morning for you, 
Who will you follow in your life? Let's pray.